Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionise your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series uh, with Tony Brooks, and today I'm very pleased to have uh, with me Heidi Thompson, who is the HR Director at Duncan and Topless, um, based in the East Midlands. In fact, we're in Grantham today. And Heidi's been involved with HR for 20 years, but has been in her position as HR Director at Duncan and Topless for just over three years. And interestingly enough, I saw Heidi speak at a Duncan and Topless event in November 2019, which is how she's ended up here today, actually. Because uh, Heidi was talking about company culture and employee engagement. And I really enjoyed her talk and, and felt that we were very much on the, the sort of same page in the way that we looked at these kind of things. So I thought, uh, Heidi would make a great guest for the series and went over and asked her to come and join us and she kindly agreed to do so. So we finally managed to find some time for both of us to get together today. So welcome Heidi, nice to have you here. Thank you very much, yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. Good, good. And it's your first time on a podcast. It is, yeah, I do listen to quite a lot of podcasts, so yeah, it's yeah. very exciting. Thank you. So you can listen to yourself on one now, which would be even better. I know, yeah. <laughs> Probably as good as others. <laughs> Right, so yeah, why? let's start with um, a couple of, I guess, interlock questions, because I know that you, you sort of feel that they're very interrelated things, but why do you think employee engagement and companies focusing on their culture is so important then, Heidi? What? Um, and it's not, a new, it's not a new area to look at. Of course, employee engagement and culture has been something that HR people and you know, lots of organisations have been talking about for many, many years. Um, but particularly now for Duncan and Topless, we have our 2025 vision, so we're looking at where we are going over the next few years. And part of that is our people quadrant, because like all organisations, we recognise people are you know, really the key to our success. So that got myself and the rest of the HR team talking about, okay, how do we look at employee engagement? We recognise it's important. Um, and that really sort of took us on a bit of a, a a journey, I guess you'd like to say, um, into finding out what engagement meant for us. Because certainly when you look online, when you do research, you find just such a raft of information. Lots of people have different ideas about what engage means. There's also research about whether engagement even is the thing that we should be focusing on. So for us, we felt that engaged employees is about those people that are really fully absorbed and enthusiastic about their work and therefore they're going to take positive action to really help the organisation's reputation and interest. So it's a real dual partnership then, everyone's working together for a common goal. Well, that's obviously what we want and we recognise that if we have that then you might think that we're likely to get better performance, better productivity. But like anything, it's never quite as simple as that. <laughs> it's <laughs> quite an idealistic view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the theory, isn't it? But we also know, and there's been a lot of research, and one particularly was Rob Briner, who's a professor of organisational psychology at Queen Mary University of London. He's one, just one of the people that's talked about whether engagement and performance is a link that is as strong as, the, as we might think it okay. is. And, you know, people differ on their views about that. And I think that comes from the idea that, of course, people can really, really hate their jobs, actually, but perform very well. Because if you're very professional, 
you can really not enjoy what you're doing, not really be committed to it, but you're still ultimately going to turn up and do a good job until perhaps a time when you leave. It's almost that sense of responsibility in the role, isn't it? Even if, you, as you say, you're not enjoying it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I've enjoyed most of the jobs I've been in, but of course, over my career, there have been some that haven't been as enjoyable, but I like to think I've always been professional. Yeah. Um, but the, the opposite of that, of course, is true, where people can really love the job, they can be the most engaged person, they can really just encompass everything you might like to see from an employee but actually they're not necessarily performing as we might like yeah yeah so i think for us that really led us to think well you know just being engaged whilst absolutely important isn't necessarily the only measurement we could look at yeah and that's really what led us to thinking actually culture surely is the most important thing and there's a lot of research that suggests that of course if you get your culture right then engagement is a natural part of that anyway so that's really what what led us to focus firstly on culture rather than perhaps before we might have focused firstly on engagement so why do you, what do you think organization culture actually is then well to me and again based on a lot of research but also what i think it's it's really about the dna of the company and also the personality of the company it's a reflection of our values and our beliefs who we are as people and it tends, well, of course, it happens through historical events often. So it might be previous leaders, it might be previous events, previous things that have happened in a company. And it just can become the way it is. You know, so often we hear those terms about it's just the way things are done around here. So we do it because we've always done it, rather than actually is this what we should be doing now, today, rather than, you know, years ago by. And I think you're, you're touching on a really critical point there. All organisations, small businesses, culture, bigger organisations have a culture. As you say, so it's whether it's defined or not. Because there is a way yeah. of doing things and a, and a culture that almost evolves. It's whether you take control over directing it, I guess, is, is the point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because, as you say, it's, it's almost like people think, well, we're not working on culture right now. We're not looking at values and behaviour. Um, that's not a project we're dealing with or something we're interested in and that's fine but ultimately you will still have values and behaviours and culture it's just that you're not able to drive that yourself as employers yeah yeah um, it's happening around you and it's far better of course as a company to take control of that and say well actually what do we want our culture to be it and actually is it as we want it to be and that's great and how do we make sure we keep along that line or actually do we need to do some work to redefine it because what perhaps suited once a once upon a time may not be where we want to be going forward. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're taking a look at the Duncan and Topless culture, aren't you, over the, over the current period? And We are. We're just, I mean, literally this week we're launching a project. And that's because as a company we have been around since 1925. So there's a huge amount of history. And with that becomes, you know, that's a great, great history to come from. We have 11 offices, lots of different directors. So naturally, we have a culture that can differ between offices as well. So we've got lots of positives. But where we are as an organisation with our 2025 vision is looking at where do we need to be in the future to position ourselves in the changing world that we're in. To work on the success and the great foundation we already have, which we're looking to have, and um, to make sure that continues. So yeah, we're really re-looking really at that. We're sort of saying, well, we've got our values, but what do they mean to us? Do they mean the same as they did when we introduced them quite a few years ago? What are the behaviours that might fit behind that? And how can we make sure we are aligning to that? 
Yeah, and I like that about, um, I was going to ask you the question about, um, well, we'll come back to you in a second about what are the components of a culture, but you've been t- talking about values and behaviours. Mm. And um, I must admit, I'm a great believer in, in my work with organisations as well, that people can do work on the values. Um, I don't know whether you'd agree with this idea, but then it can almost be like um, a functional thing where it's done, but does it become a living, breathing part of the organisation? And I think the behaviours piece, how the values are demonstrated by people on a sort of daily basis and um, by everybody is the key is a real key part for me because I think a lot of companies will have got their values on their website and whatever but they're, they're probably just put to one side almost but it's the supportive behaviors so yeah I don't know what yeah. you think about that. no I, I absolutely agree I mean the, one of the things I talked about when I the talk in November that you mentioned was that a lot of companies have turned engagement and culture into a bit of a transaction, yeah. rather than this interaction, as you say. And I've, I've mainly come from a consultancy background, so I've worked with lots of companies over the years, you know, some really great clients that I've been lucky to work with. Um, but I have worked with companies where you know, they've tried to do the right thing, no one's trying to do it in a, in a bad way, of course, but they might have even invested money in getting values, as you say, there might be two or three words, sometimes there might be several. But then when you look behind the surface, what do those words really mean and how are we demonstrating those values and those behaviours? Um, do they link into everything we do in terms of our recruitment, in terms of our appraisal process, yeah, yeah. into everything? And often the case is that that isn't the case. We, we can focus on people just remembering the words almost. If you can recite those words, then you do well. And it's not a bad starting point, but yeah, they need to represent you and also they need to link to your strategy um, we have a strategy as I've mentioned most companies are going to hopefully have a vision of strategy what they want in the future and there's a lot of research that tells us that of course if your strategy does not align to your culture then your strategy will not work yeah it's yeah, not yeah. possible they will come for conflict with each other so you have to look at both hand in hand yeah because in the end it's people isn't it that the success there Whether is. You like it or not, yeah, yeah. That's there's, the reality. There's that. Um, there's that great quote, isn't there? That culture eats. Is it Peter Drucker? Culture yes. eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. I think they're both actually really important. But I think what you're touching on there is, you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if your culture, if there isn't work done on the people side, the culture side, mm-hmm. then you'll struggle to achieve that strategy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why you know, if you think about the, the old style of the balanced scorecard and all of those things, it was about that balance, wasn't it? You had to look at your people, you had to look at your clients, your operations, your finances. They all have to be aligned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we can't miss that people piece. Yeah, no, absolutely for sure. So get back to culture then. Yeah. What do you? You've touched on values and behaviour. What do you think? What do you see as the components of a culture then? What if, as you're going to look at the Duncan and Topless culture now, what, what are the areas that you will look at? What do you see as the parts of it? Well, we have done some work on this already. Um, I mean, one of the things I really like is the culture, um, culture web, which you, a lot of people may be familiar okay. with. Um, because there's different ways of looking at your culture. Because you know, one simple way that you can do is just simply to think about, right, what are the five things that make up our organisation, just things that stand out and yeah, yeah. Sort of breaking those down. But for me, what we've done through, it's perhaps informally really, but we do a lot of management training, a lot of development here, and we've worked with a lot of team members, and an exercise we regularly do is around the culture web. So we ask them the things about what are our rituals and routines, what are our symbols, what are our organisational structure look like, control systems and power structures, as well as 
other things. And, and that's really, for me, about not what's written. I mean, I think there's that, I don't know if it's a story of quote where, you know, if you sent all your policies and procedures to Mars and, and they looked at all your admin processes, would they be able to work out what type of company you are? Okay. And of course, in reality, they wouldn't. They'd be able to see what you say you do, but would they be able to say see what you actually do? Yeah, yeah, and how you do it. And inevitably, there's going to be some conflict there, and again, not always in a, a negative way. So it's really looking at what is our daily behaviour? Why do we do the things that we do? What are the things that really stand out? Um, we have, as many companies, have lots of different ages here, so we have a nice diverse workforce, which we're so lucky to have, so that, you know, everyone's bringing something to the table. And we want to hear, well, what matters to one person may be very different to another. You know, yeah, what yeah. are the things that are key? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's about how we do things, what we say, what we actually do. But behind everything is the behaviours, and that's the area that we want to focus on the most because we're not trying to create identical team members here. We, we want that diversity, we want people bringing their own personality. We want them really to be able to bring their best self to work. And that for me is all about having common shared values and behaviors that we all then feel comfortable that we can work to. And I couldn't work with a company whose values didn't align to my own. And you know, again, research will say to us, if you work for a company where your values are in conflict with your own, then you're generally going to be really unhappy and you're going to want to leave. You may stay, but you won't be very happy about that. Yeah, but what you were touching on almost then is, I guess, is the way that we we're talking about engagement and culture, the way that engagement and culture are intertwined, really. Because yeah. so you were saying about seeking input from your people on, I guess, um, what's important to them and what they, you know, mm. their view of it. And that's where the engagement piece comes, I think. Because again, I, I don't know about your views on this, Heidi, but I've seen it where companies um, at the higher level will do a, a, a job looking at the culture and come up with a definition of the culture, but they haven't really engaged their people in, you know, de defining that. So it's a bit of a top-down approach to culture. Whereas I think, getting your people engaged with that and as you say you know um seeing why they do what they do and what's important to them and, and looking at trying to feed that into the culture definition mm. i think that's where you get um a nice balance of engagement and culture definition then isn't it really yeah absolutely and that's that's very much the project we're working on and we have done them in the past i think it's something you have to repeat of course but yeah, exactly that. We are inviting every team member to come along to our values and behaviours workshop. So every team member will have an option to to be able to say, well, what behaviours they think represent that, and what behaviours they think detract from that, what they think each of our values mean, and through all of that, we'll come up with a common shared set. Which, you know, the the same goes, doesn't it? If you people buy into what they're what they're involved in, yeah, because you're quite yeah, right. Yeah. We could come up with. Um, I could quite happily sit and write behaviours and values and I could publish that and you know there's probably some things that might other people might go nod yeah that, that sort of makes sense but ultimately that would just be my piece of work and it might look good I could make it look really shiny but it wouldn't affect any change at all and that's the point isn't it if you're going to make this level of change you have to start with your team members. Yeah, that's um, great. But as we, as I've sort of said, you know, this actually is the easy part to me. You know, the, the workshops, this, it's a fun bit really to go around and get all that work done. 
the real work for us and for all companies is starting when you're putting that into place. Yeah. We're lucky that we've got a good base because we've got have these values in place. Um, but for companies, yeah, it's sort of saying to them, how do you make sure then that you adhere to these behaviours? How yeah. do you challenge people when they're not meeting those behaviours? I'm how glad. Fit into everything? So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've touched on that actually, because <laughs> I was just going to ask you about you're obviously on a really interesting sort of path with it or journey or whatever with the minute at the moment where you're looking at getting people's opinions defining the culture but i was going to ask you that heidi actually about how do you then make sure that culture is a living breathing you know part of the organization that people's behavior is consistently as consistently as possible in line with it what what are you what are the kind of things that you will do at Duncan Top is to make sure that culture is part of real, a real part of what you do. Yeah, I mean, we we sort of intend to sort of come from it from another a number of angles because I know a lot of people would perhaps say surveys at this point because there's you know there's a real movement over that's quite a few years where there's lots of staff surveys or employee surveys and of course that might be looking at culture and engagement or, or a number of things. Um, and there's lots of I mean, there's lots of great systems out there. I know where they're sort of taking the pulse of an organisation, so they're kind of the idea that your survey's out of date, so you need to do it regularly. Um, but actually, again, there's a lot of research around, a lot of evidence to suggest that they can be distractions as well, because it depends on how that person feels in any one day, um, as to how they might respond. Is it really truly giving you the right picture? I, I'm not saying it doesn't have its place, but that's probably not the way we're, we've decided not to go that way. And we have done them in the past and have had some benefits. But for us, what we want to look at is is really, I mean, I've got quite a complex diagram where it, it actually connects to everything because really culture is going to hit every single thing Absolutely, you do yeah. of course yeah so you have to look at your recruitment procedures yeah your appraisals yeah your how your managers manage but also it's about having the skills to do that so we are you know i was really pleased when i joined on the top it's one of the things that really impressed me is how much development we provide so our managers have management development training and they continue to have that. We do a lot of soft skill training. We have an effective appraisal process, but they can all improve, of course. So for me, it will be aligning our behaviours to all of those processes. Yeah. But again, you know, that's just a process. So it's, it'll be a constant, it's a constant piece of work. It's, you know, it's, it's a never ending piece of work, really. I don't see that it's going to end in six months and then it'll be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's that boring thing, isn't it, of consistency over intensity. That Simon Select has a great talk on that. Um, and that's what it is. You know, we can all do those kind of flashy moments where we do some exciting things, and, and that's great, it has its place, but we will have to focus on it always, forever, really, and yeah. to make sure it aligns. Yeah, that's great. And it's good to hear you sort of talking about all the different parts of. Um, how you make a culture a living, breathing part of an organisation. You know, as you said, recruitment. Again, I, I, I'm sure you found this in your experience over the 20 years of HR experience. That I've seen companies where they recruit, but they don't have their values at the core of that recruitment. Mm. So you can end up recruiting people where you never really sense check them properly against your values and made sure that both parties felt they were aligned together really. And so it's good to hear you, you talk about that. And obviously with managers, I think um, 
managers, leaders can pick up behaviour that is in line or out of line with culture and, and make that quite yeah, you know, obvious top to down, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we, you know, we've got a great set of leaders and managers, but we, you know, like many organisations, and I think in the UK we can be a bit transactional about it. So you, you're really good at something, and then what we tend to do then is make them a manager. And suddenly you're doing less of the thing that you were really good at in the first place and more of something that you may never have done before and might not be comfortable with. But suddenly you've got this pressure to be inspiring and to lead and to, to manage these people. And for some people, of course, they'll thrive at that, but others, they won't. And we need to give them the tools. And that's, you know, for me, that's why I'm so passionate about soft skills training to help people develop. But not just through a training course, which do that have absolutely has its place but through a continual so setting objectives giving them support getting them personal development plans we do a lot of mentoring and coaching here as well we're looking to create more of a coaching environment so it's those constant trying to create touch points and i do recognize that you know we're quite a large company and for smaller companies that might sound quite overwhelming but actually when you break it down a lot of this is just having good conversations it's just about checking in talking to people because in the end, employee, the relationship between the employee and the manager is the most important one because they're the people that spend most of the time together. That thing is the saying of people leave um, managers, not companies. Yep. I do think it's absolutely true. Yeah, no. So I do believe any size organisation can make this work with simple steps um, and actually focus less on lots of paperwork and more just on those genuine human interactions of checking yeah. up on each other. And I think, you know, you were saying about having more of a sort of coaching and mentoring approach at yeah. Duncan Topics. So I think that's really important as well for leaders and managers um, to ask their people good questions, to be there to support them when they need it, um, to let them... I guess have some responsibility, make their own mistakes, and, yeah. and all those kind of things. I mean, I remember you were talking about um, when I saw you speak, Heidi, about the fact that um, the majority of organisations cite leadership as their biggest challenge. Um, why do you think? Why do you think that is? Then you know, with us touching on leadership now and the importance of the the leader's part in making sure a culture is first of all developed and adhered to. Why do you think leadership is seen as such a big challenge by organisations then? I think it does go back to that the transactional point of we do recruit people when they might but we don't then give them the support. And yeah. actually sometimes people a lot of people think the only way to develop is to become a manager. And I do think it's important that we open up other options for people. Yeah, because yeah. they can be a great technical person or a great operational person in different ways without always having to manage people but we we leadership and management of course is critical i mean i'm as a hr person i've taught management development training and advice managers for years but i'm also a manager myself and have been for a number of years and i absolutely recognize it's so much easier to tell people how to do it than do it yourself and i think that's why you know since i've been a manager for quite a few years now I believe I've become a better HR person for it because I'm much more aware about the reality. It's all very well telling someone about theory, um, but when you're there and having to deal with quite difficult issues, it, it's a real challenge. And you've got, I think a lot of it is managers can sometimes see their day job and then their management job, and, and it's about trying to see it as one job yeah. of importance. And it's like anything, isn't it? If you don't think it's important, you're not going to focus time on it. And the more you put into managing people well, of course, the more you get out of it and the easier your life becomes. But it can sometimes be quite a struggle to get to that point. 
So for, for me, it's about supporting team members, supporting those managers, giving them those development opportunities, allowing them to have that coaching. Why would we be expected to suddenly know automatically how to deal with things just yeah, because gosh, of a certain yeah. level? You know, we all struggle sometimes. Um, so it's about creating networks as well. I think it's useful when they can talk to their peers and get advice as well. So for organisations, just creating ways to help those managers. And as you quite rightly say, it's about being able to make mistakes sometimes, isn't it? Managers can become a bit scared to manage sometimes, or, and team members can become afraid to make mistakes. But that's how we all learn, ultimately. Yeah, no, it is. It's interesting to, to hear you say that, because I mean, my experience, I, I used to be in IT, and um, I think you were touching on this, Heidi, in that, you can become, I, I, I observe this, people were very good technically, and then their main path then would be to be elevated into people leadership mm -hmm. roles, which first of all may not have been for them really, yeah. but also, as you have, you sort of hinted at a, a moment ago, they're almost expected to just pick that up when it's one of the toughest things yeah, out really to definitely. actually lead people well and get the best out of people is, is a tough skill and um, people will, often people aren't equipped, they end up in that role through their progression, through their abilities. But yeah. those abilities weren't about how to get the best out of people. And so it's great to hear that you're part of an organisation that invests so much effort and has such a great focus on that, really. Um, and I guess that's, if, if I was to ask you, if leadership is a challenge within organisation, if I was to ask you the question, what can organisations do about that? I'm, I'm sensing what you're saying is, um, invest more time in developing the leaders really yeah you have to develop them we're, you know we work with clients a lot through so I teach a lot on the ILM and other management training and you know that's not everyone that's not the solution for everyone but you know so it can be solutions through development through soft skills training but also just you could be then coaching or mentoring where you're not in a position to be able to spend the money because you know this it, is an investment it's an investment I believe you will absolutely get back you know tenfold um, but you know, we are in a world where it's not easy for companies to always be able to, to afford certain things at certain times. So it would, at the heart of it, I would say, let's look, do a SWOT analysis. I'd simply be saying, right, let's start with what is working well with this manager right now, what they're good at, what they're not so good at. Let's get a personal development plan in place. And there's lots of different ways that you can then resolve those. And it might be training, it might be networking with someone else, it might be coaching or mentoring. But one way or another, everyone needs development. And actually all leaders, I don't think, none of us are the finished article, are we? Oh, never. No, no, never, so never, never. I do, and you can get that as well. You know, often this is often looked at and we think about new managers coming up. But actually it can be those managers that have been placed for a number of years. Um, and that's even more difficult sometimes for them to accept help because they feel like, well, I must know how to do this. I've been doing it a long time. But actually, people are changing, the ways we work are changing, so everyone needs that development and support. Yeah, and, and I think um, also it's interesting, I mean, you, you, you know, you're talking about us never being the finished article as leaders and what have you. I per personally think, um, I mean, the, the, the podcast series is called Leadership Mindset. I personally think the leader, a leader's biggest challenge is not necessarily the skill, you were talking about the skills, development of soft skills. I think it's that self-leadership first and it's that belief in themselves and the confidence and what have you because we all take our own baggage around with us and um, a leader being elevated into a leadership position, 
I think first of all, as the daily battle when they come in about their own self-confidence and their doubt and the imposter syndrome and all of those things that can come up. Yeah. And I think the, the co- you touched on the coaching and mention. I think that that can help people. But I think equipping leaders to deal with the stress and the self-belief and the self-confidence issues as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? It's really overwhelming. It's, it's probably one of the toughest things I do when I manage people. Um, and I've always been very lucky to have good teams. But I know that you're, you know, you end up being almost a counsellor sometimes, and then you're, you're having to maybe tell people they're not doing the right job. So suddenly you want to be liked, but you're having to tell them things they might not want to hear. And then you're dealing with their, hope, you know, problems that they might have at home or in work or their uncommunicative or they're not engaged and you've got all these different emotions and of course in the mix of that what works with one of your employees will be the worst thing to do with your other so you actually it's not just that you can get to go right I've got my style now I'm sorted like oh no that's not going to work I need to do something different with this person um so yeah I do think it causes people a lot of stress you say and yes they do question am I right for this job people tend to want to be liked so they panic about that obviously I deal with a lot of managers with them HR type of issues for our clients and that's a mindful because then they're worried about the law side of things and yeah, yeah. if I get this wrong what's going to happen so they can get afraid to manage them that way as well but I do believe one of the fundamental things that we don't do enough is feedback Okay. and I, it is one of the most underused but most beneficial things that you can have in your toolkit as a manager and so often we do not tell people we might occasionally say thanks and well done, which is lovely, um, but we don't tend to tell them what they've done well, what they haven't done, and how, and really get to the sort of, the, you know, really get down to it of those issues. And that's something that I think is a massive missed opportunity. Yeah, no, it's interesting that because um, there's a couple of things that come to mind there. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of it. There's a there was a psychologist called Marcel Lasada who um, came up with the Lasada line. I don't know if you ever heard of this, which is where allegedly um, in, within organisations to get higher performing teams and organisations, you need to be giving sort of three to one in terms of ratio of positive feedback to negative, mm. ideally up to sort of four, five, six, really, um, and that means that. And yes, it needs to be constructive, but. Um, it is about picking up the things that people do well and reinforcing it and giving them feedback. And yes, giving them feedback on the things they could do better. But I think that feedback culture that you mentioned, Heidi, I think is important. And I think for managers and leaders, it's being ready to take feedback yourself, isn't it? Which uh, is yeah. not necessarily easy. No, and, people, uh, I always ask when we do a lot of, I do a lot of soft skills training around feedback. And I always say, you know, we get towards the end and say, right, okay, what about you? What do you ask your team? And often I get quite a horrified look saying, oh, we don't really ask them. So I always have done this thing where I do the stop, start, continue um, to my team. It's, you know, it's an old one, but it kind of works quite well. And so, you know, quite literally you're saying, what should I stop doing? What should I start doing? What should I continue doing? Of course, there's a million more different ways to ask that. But if you constantly, after every once-one or check in and say to your team member, tell me what you think about my performance, but try and frame it in, in a way that fits your wording. I just think that's so valuable because they will be thinking those things. <laughs> if, you're, if they don't like something you're doing, that's in their head. So at least if they're going to share that with you, 
you will get the opportunity to either change your habits, which I have done. I've had some really valuable feedback yeah. over the years. I've really learned a lot. Yeah. Or at least you can then say, well, actually, let me tell you why I do that. Um, and yeah, people are so scared to do it. And But actually, feedback is such a gift, isn't it? It's the only way we learn, really, if it's done properly. And there's a book called Radical Candor, and I can't... Remember. Radical Candor? Yeah, okay. it's a brilliant book. It's a lady that worked for um, Apple and Google, I believe. And okay. It's bad, but I can't remember the author, isn't it? But it's a brilliant book. It's all about getting what you want by saying what you mean. And one of her tools is all about how you give feedback, and it's this sort of quadrant of how you do it. And, and Radical Candor, and ultimately it's about if you care... Um, about someone personally and then you're giving them really direct feedback then that's the perfect equation yeah because you care about them so you're going to give them that feedback but if you don't care yeah yeah of course you're going to be more as they call it obnoxious aggression yeah and it's how the recipient takes that as well you know so i mean actually just a couple of questions for you do you do you at duncan and topless then do you use 360 degree feedback? So do leaders get feedback from their own senior manager, from peers, from the people that um, report into them? Well, yes, we did. And that's a program we had running for quite a few years and it did work quite well, but we actually paused that um, this, well, last year now. Um, and not because we don't think 360 is a good thing we do. <laughs> Um, but because actually the system we were using, what we were finding, what my view was that we were getting a lot of data, it was perhaps a little bit complex, it was taking people quite a lot okay. of time, it was quite yeah, yeah. for the team. And although it was valuable, we weren't necessarily getting the best out of the situation. So we've kind of paused it because we're reviewing that at the moment, how best to get that feedback. Um, but we will absolutely continue something like that. I think it... Again, it all comes down to what you're going to do with the information. Yeah. We are very good as organisations to collect things, but we don't necessarily then act on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do encourage every single manager that I talk to, I always encourage them about ask for feedback. Yeah. And of course, usually what comes back is, well, I do ask them and they say nothing. <laughs> they say, that's fine. But then you have to ask them, you know, 10,000 times if you need and to. And ask them in a better way sometimes, isn't yeah, it? It's about absolutely. putting the questions in it in a different way yeah. and, and getting that. And I think, um, I don't know if you've come across it actually, there's um, the fixed mindset, growth mindset model of Carol Dweck. You yeah. may well have heard of it, yeah. But I think um, it's getting, well, getting anybody in a feedback situation, but certainly leaders into a growth mindset. Mm. Um, sort of uh, way of thinking so that when they get the feedback as you say that they see it as a gift or as much of a gift as possible and that they can see the benefit of it and it's something that they learn from and grow from rather than going fixed mindset and feeling quite defensive and taking it personally and, all. and, yeah. it's, and that can you know for all of us I think as human beings when somebody's giving you some feedback that maybe is about something you didn't do so well that that can can be challenging and tough to take so i think it's getting your leaders in a place where they are receptive to it and I, mm. you know i like your expression about it being a gift um but certainly something yeah. they can learn and grow from yeah i because i always try and say to people well think about your career how did you get here you cannot have got here without feedback yeah i yeah. don't believe that and i have had some amazing managers amazing people over the years you know not all of it has been positive of course but i've had lots and lots of feedback i mean i might not have taken it all um, but a lot of it i have and i that's really ultimately what shapes us and it's kind of your time to pay that back isn't it yeah and from certainly when i first started managing people to have that 
the company at the time using this stop, start, continue was invaluable for me because I learned a lot of things. Um, I was like, okay, that's not a great idea. I won't do that again. And I really learned from that. But you're right, you have to not be defensive. And I can't say that I never, you know, of course, inwardly you might think, oh, I thought they really liked me. I think that's really good. <laughs> yeah, we all are human. But you do have to reward them for that candor, don't you? You have to be yeah. like, well, okay, that's great. I'm really going to take that on board. Otherwise, they definitely won't do it again. Yeah. And I, I mean, we started this whole conversation talking about culture and what have you. And, um, and you were saying about it, sort of coming, there's an element of top coming top down or leaders actually mm. encouraging it. So I guess um, the great thing about leaders being more receptive to feedback and what have you is it's, it's a thing that can feed right the way through the culture because I think yeah. if people see their leaders being, um, I guess, courageous enough or brave enough to say, tell me the things about me that you know, I think I can work on and mm. improve, then when that call, that feedback comes the other way to the people as well, then they're probably less likely to be defensive as well. So I think it's sort of setting that tone as, yeah. a, as a growth mindset right the way through the organisation. Yeah. And, and it becomes easier, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I agree. And I think that's why it's so aligned to culture because I don't believe you can have a really effective culture until you are, you know, because it's trust, isn't it? Okay, yeah. that's one of our values, but trust is going to come into it one way or another in anyone's Yeah, values. yeah, for sure. And if you can't trust people to be able to be open with them but you know that's and I understand why that takes a long time to get there yeah, but yeah. that's ultimately got to be the aim and you have to if you're when you've got values and behaviours you're going to have to be able to challenge people if you don't think they're showcasing them well you're yeah. not going to be able to do that if you don't feel comfortable to feedback yeah no totally but it is a skill it's not easy and you know we can all shy away from it um, you know myself included we, none of us are perfect are we but it's about yeah. reflecting on that and thinking okay maybe I wasn't as clear as I could have been and maybe I can develop that better next time yeah for sure hey no it's been fascinating because i think that um i think when you hear about company culture sometimes people jump straight to a set of values or what have yeah. you and it's been great to talk to you uh, on this particular episode because i think i think you and i could talk for a long time about <laughs> culture um but i think just exploring some of the things here you see how well for me how important it is but also that it's a much bigger thing than a lot of people treat it as. It's not just sitting down, putting four or five values on a piece of paper, putting them on your website. It is about um, a, a really deep human side to how that culture yeah. actually manifests itself and how it's reinforced and what have you. So thank you hugely for sharing your thank thoughts. You. I, I, I thought after seeing you in November, this was gonna be uh, an interesting episode to go through and uh, it doesn't disappoint at all. It's been, it's been good to talk through all of that with you. And um, hey, well, best of luck as well with the big project that's happening in Duncan Topless yeah, on uh, culture. And we'll have to keep in touch and I'll check in with you how that's going as you get yeah, to Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> so thank you very much. And um, we'll look forward to another podcast episode in the, in the coming weeks. If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.